You're a rare breed. <laughs> I actually mean that as a compliment. Doesn't that sound a little bit like a complice salt? Well, you're a rare breed. <laughs> well, you are. You're a rare breed. You're a legend. Hi, I'm Dee Hicks, and welcome to the School of Leadership, leveraged lessons from high-impact leaders. For the past 30 years, I've researched the disciplines, habits, mental models, and assumptions of the most effective leaders. This podcast takes what I've learned from over 2,000 of these influencers and distills it into practical tools and tips you can use immediately. So let's get started. that sound by now don't you even if you're not a cigar smoker if you've listened to one or two or 22 or 62 <laughs> of these podcasts you know that i am lighting a delicious cigar and you also know that i'm lighting it with a zippo but not the traditional zippo this is one of these zippos that's got an insert specifically for cigars so it's a torch zippo the case on the outside of it is quite old been around a long time and what am i going to enjoy with you today if you're a cigar smoker how about pausing and waiting to listen to this podcast until you have a cigar and you can either be driving somewhere with one or you're out for a walk or you can sit down and put your feet up and enjoy a cigar and maybe even enjoy a bourbon at the same time while we're going through an idea that I want to share with you today. But if you're not a cigar smoker, well, just keep listening. We're going to dive in. This cigar is a Legends by Drew Estate. Mm -mm. And it is really, really good. I've talked a little bit before about Drew Estate and about Jonathan Drew, who's kind of the creative force behind all of the Drew Estate cigars, or many of them anyway. I just have great respect for any company that can be consistent in quality and creative at the same time and grow and do so well. So, Legends by Drew Estate. This cigar, it's got an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper. Now, if you're a cigar smoker, you know those are the kind of a tan, light brown wrapper. It's what folks often think of when they think of a cigar, the color of a, of a cigar. They're handmade and they are just pretty close to perfect as far as a cigar can be. They're full of Nicaraguan uh, long fillers, I think, and probably a little bit of uh, Dominican. Yep, yep, I'm sure there. I just looked at the packaging. These tobaccos have just really subtle taste to them. Now, the first taste is sweet, and if you're not a fan of a sweet taste when you first start a cigar, then we'll stick with it because they sort of change a little bit as time goes on at least these do and i had many of them uh, over the, over the years and i thought this would be a great one to share with you today because you're such a legend <laughs> they're really good cigars it's uh, i think it's about a 50 or 55 ring gauge and it's just under six inches long so it's a good hour and a half two hour cigar i will definitely not finish it in the recording of this podcast which is happening on a delightful sunday afternoon it's been a very full week i'm sure yours was full but it was the kind of week that even though every minute seemed like it was filled with worthwhile things i didn't come to the finish line sweaty and slobbering like an exhausted racehorse nice enjoyable week and therefore i ha only had time to set aside to record this podcast on a sunday afternoon before family and friends all come over for a 
great barbecue. I think it's a barbecue tonight. I'm not sure. Maybe it's not. I'm not responsible for the dinner tonight. I am sometimes, but not tonight. You're probably wondering, though, what I'm going to put with this by way of a bourbon. So it is late enough in the afternoon that I can enjoy a bourbon. Let me see what time is it. It's about four o'clock in the afternoon. So I can enjoy a bourbon without feeling like I'm in the wrong time zone. Anyway, so what are we going to enjoy together? Let's see here. Let me open this up. It's a brand new bottle. There, you can tell by how, how high-pitched that pop is, right? If the bottle is almost empty, it sounds deeper. I'll do it again. I'll put the cap back on. Hear that? <laughs> it's a brand new bottle. It is full because this is the one we're going to be serving up with our dinner tonight as well. So there'll be several of us who might be enjoying this. And I may have another one of these coming up a little bit later. What are we having? You're wondering, you're wondering, you're thinking, cut, cut to the chase. What are you having with your Legends cigar? I am having a wild turkey rare breed. This is a barrel-proof Kentucky straight bourbon, and this one sits at 116.8 proof. Not that you could tell the difference between 116 and 116.8. <laughs> ah, but this is a really, really good one. So this one is the barrel proof, like I mentioned. Let's pour just a little bit. That's about, that's about three quarters of an ounce. Not quite a full shot. Uh, because I'm not wanting to drink this to get the feeling. <laughs> I'm wanting to drink this to have the taste and to share the rare breed with you. Let's have a sip. You can hear the one ice cube in there. I don't want my ice cubes to melt, so it's a great big square crystal clear ice cube. And it has one purpose, and that is to cool off the bourbon. Because I do like most bourbons to be pretty cold. Well, this is quite good. This is quite good. Of course, you can tell, I can tell, the 116 proof on the first sip, which gives you the good old-fashioned hug, <laughs> right? But then right after that, it has a little bit of a sweet finish on the back of my tongue. But as time goes on with this bourbon, we'll see how it actually tastes in a moment here. I'm going to take another sip before we get into what we're actually here for. Oh yeah, with those high-proof bourbons, the second sip is a different experience than the first one. Mm, that's really good. Now the mash bill on this, from what I understand, is 75% corn, 13% uh, rye, 12% malted barley. Mm, has a really nice smell to it. I can smell, I can smell a little bit of toffee almost. No, no, probably not toffee. I can smell caramel. That's what I can smell. Or if you're one of the folks who calls it caramel because you've never heard how to pronounce it, you've just read it in a book, I call it caramel. C-A-R. Lose the middle A. M-E-L. There, that's how I pronounce it. But feel free. You're probably a person who also says scenario. Uh, the scenario is that I'm going to taste and smell caramel or something like that. Anyway, all right. So work with me here. I can smell yeah, I can smell a little bit of caramel, a little bit of a uh, little bit of maybe orange or something, something, something citrusy, but not too bitter. It's it's really good. Then it's got that great bourbon smell, that oak smell that goes with it, and the taste. Mm -mm. One more sip here, then we're gonna get into it. Uh, a kind of a mild spice, very very mild spice. If I had my eyes closed and no one told me what this was, I would think it might be a, a sweeter rye. But it's not. It's not leading with the rye, but it's pretty good. It's really got a great flavor profile. It's kind of complicated. This is now my third sip of this, and uh, it's pretty good. But you're probably not here just to hear cigar and bourbon reviews. You're probably thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, okay, we got it, we got it, we got it. Let's talk about one of these great blind spots that you and I can have 
as a leader, especially if you're really effective as a leader. Loneliness. When I get together with leaders in small groups or my own teams, or I'm on the phone with leaders that I get to support from time to time, we rarely talk about this. But really effective leaders such as yourself, who are kind of a rare breed, <laughs> or a legend, see how I did that? See how I put that back in there? <laughs> can get incredibly lonely. You know, when we get together as leaders, we tend to talk about our successes. We may talk about a challenge that we just overcame, or we may talk about a challenge we're right in the middle of, and we're in the fourth quarter, and we're sure we're going to win. We may talk tactics. We may talk strategies a little bit. We may talk about our team members, but we rarely talk about loneliness. But it's likely that you, like I, have experienced deep loneliness for a protracted period of time. And loneliness creates a fear and stress response if left unaddressed for a period of time. And you know what happens when we get stressed or afraid. We have four responses. One of them is to fight it. One of them is to flee. Or the third response would be to flock together. Or the fourth response would be to freeze. Well, what if the thing we're afraid of is too big to fight? or we can't figure out how to fight it, and it's too omnipresent for us to flee from. What if we can't flock together with people because we've not built those kind of relationships or they're not available to us right now? Well, then we go to the last one, which is freeze. Those are the four responses that happen when you and I encounter something that's threatening, that creates fear in us, what you used to call stress. So what happens if we can't do any of the first three and we do the last one? What happens if we are, as is often the case with you and I, surrounded by people, but we feel alone? If we stay in that state very long, we can become quite dangerous. Let's unpack what I mean. In the late 1970s, a psychologist, last name of Lynch, wrote a book entitled The Broken Heart, The Medical Consequences of Loneliness. I stumbled across that book in some of my undergrad work way back in the day. Yes, I'm that old. And found it to be fascinating and compelling. At that point in time, Lynch was one of the few thinkers out there that was exploring the medical consequences of being lonely, whether you're a leader or not. He found that folks who are lonely and have been so for quite some time have higher levels of disease, specifically of heart disease, than folks who are not lonely. He also found, and talks about his research in his book, The Broken Heart, that folks who went into hospitals who were lonely when they went in and stayed lonely throughout their stay recovered more slowly, if at all, compared to those who went into hospitals with solid relationships around them. In the years that followed, many other folks have studied this idea of the effect of loneliness on our psychology and on our physiology. And they have found that loneliness, when protracted, and that's defined by more than a couple of days, activates the HPA axis in our body and in our brain. And that HPA axis is responsible for coordinating our stress and our fear response. And when it's heightened and when it's activated, that HPA axis is designed to make us vigilant to threats. And we become, if we're lonely for very long, hyper vigilant to what we call social threats. You probably remember from one of our other podcasts or perhaps from our Hilt Academy on the YouTube video 
videos, you can go see those there, that we have a, a survival brain that's set up to perceive everything around us and quickly toss it into one of two buckets, a reward bucket or a threat bucket. And if it's a threat bucket, then we are really only seeing a couple of big potential sources of threat. One of those we call a control threat. I don't have enough time, energy, money, wisdom, ability. It's out of my control like that. I'm going to be late. A control threat. The second pile of threats or potential for our threats is what we call a criticism threat. And that's what is also known as a social threat. That is a threat that comes from my relationships or lack of relationships with people. And social threats are significantly more intense from a neurological and eventually a physiological standpoint than our control threats. So what happens if we're lonely for very long, HPA gets really activated, which then makes us, after a period of time, hypervigilant to social threats. If you're hypervigilant to a social threat, always looking around, expecting a threat to come from other people, that makes us feel unsafe. And if we're unsafe because we feel like everyone around us is a potential threat, then we start becoming very critical and we start becoming mean. Check yourself here for a second. Have you become more critical of people in the last few months than you used to be? Are you less gracious and less forgiving, less interested, less tolerant of people around you? Or are you more and more and more brittle and bitter and critical and mean? Perhaps it's just in your head. Perhaps you think it never actually comes out of your head. <laughs> well, that is one of the things that happens when you and I are constantly living in a sea of social threat, which is a direct result of loneliness. If you are not lonely, then you will not experience as much or any social threats. Lynch, in his book, The Broken Heart, identified the key to loneliness, which was a lack of meaningful, authentic, reciprocal relationships, primarily expressed through conversation. He said that dialogue, conversation, is the basic, the most essential element of every social interaction. It's like the elixir of life. <laughs> now, I hope you're thinking about yourself, and I hope you're looking over the last week, maybe the last two, not much longer than that, and think, have I had deep, meaningful, reciprocal conversations with people where I trust them and they trust me and we connect, if you want to call it that, over things that really matter. What have we learned about leaders and loneliness? Well, we've learned a couple of things. We've learned that if you are an introverted leader, that's a person who gets charged by going internally and getting inside of your brain, being out and around people kind of drains you, that it's easier for you to become lonely than for extroverted people. And it probably would sneak up on you. You probably wouldn't even really notice it. We've also learned that loneliness intensifies a few things. Loneliness, of course, means I feel like no one gets me. I feel disconnected. I feel alone even if there are people around me. I feel set apart or different in some way than the people around me, and so I'm not able to connect with them or have not been connecting with them. So loneliness intensifies confirmation bias. And you know what confirmation bias is? That's the idea that if I believe something is true, I only see things that confirm what I already think. Loneliness intensifies self-importance or its evil twin, self-pity. Loneliness intensifies discouragement and it causes us to lean toward choosing comfort over adventure. It intensifies the need to be right and makes it more important than the need to be effective or get results. Loneliness intensifies our inner narrator's voice and it decreases fair exchange and dialogue. 
And loneliness, as I mentioned earlier, increases our criticism of others. We are less willing when we're lonely to assume good intent. And as we've done a deep dive into this with several of the leaders we've gotten to know over the years and formally done research around, we found that there are several common habits that leaders have that lead them to what we call leadership loneliness. I'll go through them quickly. Do a little bit of an inventory if you want. First of all, we have these habits that are mental habits. We call them mental models. One of our mental habits is that we have developed only transactional relationships. There are no relationships that have value in and of themselves. Every relationship I've got is to get something outside of the relationship. Those are transactional relationships. And we think that's the way all relationships are. That's a mental model. We have another mental model that no one can truly understand, which means that therefore I don't try to get them to understand what it's like to be in my shoes or to deal with the challenges that I've got. We also might believe that no one cares like I do. And we notice that if someone doesn't appear to be caring as much as we do, we'll begin to get a little irritated with them. Another mental model we've got is that no one sees what I see. And perhaps they can't see what I see another mental habit we may have is that people just slow me down. I just, we need to get there faster. Every time I interact meaningfully with people around me, it just slows me down. Therefore, we go back to our first one, which is that all relationships are just transactional, just like the one that I have across the coffee bar at Starbucks. Everything is just transactional. Another mental model we've got is if they knew, if they really knew me, they probably wouldn't respect me. And they probably wouldn't follow my leadership. If they knew that I really don't know what I'm doing right now, <laughs> or if they knew, yet I'm really discouraged, or if they knew I don't like the role I'm in right now, or if they knew that I feel trapped, then my effectiveness would go down. And if we practice those mental habits very long, as a result of feeling lonely, we feel more lonely and we build castle walls of loneliness around us. And the folks that we interact with can feel that and those castle walls become a bit impenetrable. We then, because that's an unpleasant experience for us after a period of time, begin to develop maladaptive coping behaviors that make us feel better. And those maladaptive coping behaviors are, I don't know, we manipulate people or we fish around for compliments and intimacy that's fake or we become proud and ain't nobody gonna tell me what to do or we become arrogant or we eat and eat and eat and eat <laughs> or we spend lots of money or we hoard or maybe, maybe we drink, okay? And thankfully, I've not gotten to that place with this bourbon or any other bourbon. <laughs> it's not a maladaptive coping mechanism for me, but I see how it could be for people. And if it is for you, pay attention. It probably is coming from that feeling of being lonely for a long time. And even as I go through that list, you might be thinking, well, I'm not, that's not me. I'm too busy to be lonely. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I get that. I understand that completely. If you're not lonely, then ask yourself this question. Am I critical of everyone around me out loud or in my own head? Am I a little bit mean out loud or in my own head? And are all of my relationships transactional? I have the relationship so that I can get something or so they can get something from me. And, does, and if I can't get that thing from that person, then their relationship is over. You're dead to me <laughs> or something like that. 
<laughs> well, if you stay in that place for very long, you're going to end up being lonely. Well, what do you do? All right. So you're thinking, okay, all right, all right. I get it. I get it. I, I get it. I'm lonely. You say it's dangerous. And uh, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? How do I deal with this loneliness? Well, let's relight this Legends cigar, which went out while I was yammering, which is often the case. There we go. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Okay, so spoiler alert, this requires humility. Humility is actually a, an amalgam of confidence and curiosity. I'm very confident in what I know and mostly in the people that I learned it from. And I'm very curious about what's next, what's around the corner, how to do it better, what do you think? Just deeply, deeply curious. That's humility, confidence and curiosity mixed together. So how do we deal with this? First of all, if you're not curious, this isn't gonna work. If you're not confident and resting on a solid and sure foundation, then this isn't going to work. But here are seven ideas, I'll go through them quickly, that work really well for us, that result in us not being lonely, or that help us turn around. Here are seven ideas that will help us get out of that lonely ditch. Number one, take an inventory right here and right now of who really, really knows you. And are those relationships reciprocal? Do you really know that person? And do they really know you? Do a little test in your head. Not do they know some things about you, but does that person really know you? Here's the second one. After you've taken that inventory, then ask the question, if you have one or two or three of those people in your life who really know you, ask yourself this question, how often are you in unhurried conversations with them? Hmm. If you're not as much as you want to be, then step number three, reach out to those people and put those times on your calendar. Because you know, if it's not in your calendar, it's not in your heart. Oh, well, they're busy. I'm busy. Well, wait a second here. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy today. And a lot of people are busy next week. Some people are busy next month. No one's busy after that, <laughs> right? Even the most busy bees can find time for what really matters right around the corner. And, you know, next month will be here anyway. So put it on your calendar. And when you reach out to that person, tell them why. Hey, I'd just like to connect with you. I don't have an agenda. I just want to connect. I just want to get caught up. And allow yourself enough time that it's not a 10 or 15 minute or maybe even an hour conversation. All right, there you have inventory, who really knows you and how often are you with them? And the third thing was put it on your calendar, reach out to them and put it on your calendar. What about this? Number four, the fourth idea is this. What if I don't really have anyone who genuinely knows me? Well, start right now. So you'll have those relationships next year. They build slowly and you know how to build relationships. So reach out, pick a couple of people who you really connect with and you really click with, but you haven't built a deep relationship with that person as a leader. Well, start now. They're not going to say no. <laughs> Number five, if you're feeling lonely right now, teach yourself to default to reaching out, not the default that you most likely have now, which is to go inward and hide. Change your default. Feeling lonely? Reach out. Don't wait for the feelings of energy and optimism to cause you to reach out. Just default to reaching out. When you do that, you'll set up this compound interest of investing in a long-term relationship. And number six, this one is huge, huge. If you find yourself feeling lonely as a leader, get engaged in some sort of group learning. Something where you and two or three or four other people are all learning something together. If it's a physical thing, that's even better. If it's something where you're really having to think and move at the same time, that's even better. 
get engaged in something, whether it's group learning. It causes a flow and an uptake of oxytocin in our body, which is, as we've come to learn, the antidote to cortisol, which is a massive stress and fear response, neurochemical response in our body. So get involved in some kind of group learning. I don't feel like it. I'm tired, I'm busy, and I'm lonely. Okay. (laughs) Do it anyway, right? And you will be able to set up so that three months from now and six months from now, you are not living in that ditch of loneliness. And number seven, here's the last one. This was huge. It's huger (laughs) than number six. Get together with a group of people and serve somebody. Habitat for Humanity is a great example of this. If you are, as a leader, lonely, and as a result of the intensity of your work, you've pulled more and more and more internal. No one understands me and all those mental models that I mentioned earlier. Get connected with a group of people whose sole purpose is to serve other people. And you're not the CEO, you're not the chief, you're not the boss when you're in the middle of that. You're not the founder, you're the person who's just there to help. Those are seven ideas that will help you turn around that loneliness. Because if you don't, you're going to create physical problems for yourself as time goes on. And then, of course, when you and I are lonely, our judgment isn't as good. And it's just no fun. Ah, So watch for it. If you are a person who is a leader, who's a legend, (laughs) I'm holding one right in my hand, and you're a bit of a rare breed, and you've gotten very, very effective, it's likely that as a result of that effect, You've begun to pull into yourself and you've begun to, in some corners of your life, get really, really lonely. And that loneliness is like a little bit of a dark, dingy corner that you live in and where your confirmation bias goes up and your self-importance goes up or self-pity goes up. You get more and more discouraged like a snowball. You begin to say, I don't like this. And so your default is to choose comfort over adventure. And that's not been you You feel like you need to be right all the time. Your inner narrator is going, yeah, 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 people are awful. People are horrible. Your criticism goes up. You get a little bit more mean and that lonely spiral begins to get into place and you won't be long before you find yourself not just lonely, but truly alone. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for you. So you're truly a legend. You're truly a wonderful person. I know you and I'm thinking of many of you who are likely listening to this right now. If you're sitting right over there and enjoyed bourbon and cigars with me, we would connect, truly connect and have a reciprocal conversation so you would be less lonely. And by the way, I look forward to that. Probably this week, I may connect with one of you this week and have that same experience. So you're a legend. You're a rare breed. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to have the rest of this legend cigar, enjoy the rest of this rare breed, and be thinking about you. Careful. Watch it. Watch yourself. What do they say? Check yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Uh, I don't know. Uh, That'll be edited out, I hope. Uh, Take care. Talk to you soon. And I'm sure you've heard about it by now, but you may want to check out our YouTube channel that has this kind of information, lots of helpful tips for folks who are in leadership, management, supervisory positions, or if you're an influencer of people daring folks to do great things. Check us out on YouTube. It's the HILT, H-I-L-T, Academy, High Impact Leadership Training Academy on YouTube. Some great stuff. Join us over there. Subscribe when you get there. 